Today's an unusual show. We're going to talk about using only a phone as your main camera when you go on vacation or do travel photography. This is Behind the Shot. Hi, welcome to Behind the Shot. I'm Steve Braslin. I got a great show lined up for you today. I do want to remind you that this show, as with all shows, the show notes are over at BehindTheShot.tv. Of course, if you're watching on YouTube, down in the description, I've got some of the show notes there. All the links that we talk about are there. But if you want to read a full blog post that I write about my guest, head over to the website, again, BehindTheShot.tv. I'm Steve Brazel, as I say, and we've got kind of an unusual show today, and I'm going to kind of get into... Uh, how this show came about uh, in a second. But first of all, I want to bring on my guest. Now, this is somebody that I've known for a while, and he posted something on Twitter that made my ears perk up. I'd like you to welcome, if you would, Jefferson Graham to the show. Jefferson, how are you? I am just great. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. It's my pleasure to have you. It's good to see you again. We are friends. I've known you for quite some time. For and, and we've done shows together before we'll talk about here in just a second. But for those that don't know you, here's how I think of you. Tell me where I'm wrong. <laughs> You're Southern California based, obviously, like Manhattan Beach area. You are, I think of you as a writer, a photographer, and an educator. Does that okay. sum it up? I, I always throw in video maker and guitar player too, but hey, whatever. Uh, yes. And actually, you're an amazing guitar player. Thank you. How long? You've been playing your whole life? Yeah. Since the teens. I think it was, uh, was it the theme from MASH you posted once? I did. Suicide is Painless. Most people don't I, know the name of the song. I did. Uh, do you, okay, I have to ask, do you know Mason Williams, Classical Gas? I know the song. I don't play it. But, I, okay. I, I, but other th- theme songs I'm very good at. Yeah, the, the your version of Suicide is Painless, which is again from from Mash, is so good. He posts he posts videos of him playing guitar online. You got to follow him on on Twitter. You are the host and producer of a travel photography show called Photo Walks with Jefferson Graham. It streams on YouTube, uh, Roku Network, Tubi too, right? Yes. Okay. For those that don't know Photo Walks. Give us the helicopter view. Um, virtual photo walk of great places where I take you with me, show you around, and we take pictures together, and I will show you where to get the best shots. For instance, I was just in Paris. There are many places to shoot the Eiffel Tower. Where's the best one? Or where are some of the best ones? Or how do you get some of the best shots of the Eiffel Tower and the Arc de Triomphe? And that's what I explore every week on the show. Well, and it's funny because... What you just described is exactly why I like the show, because when I went to Paris, I did what everybody does. As you're going to go up into the the Eiffel Tower, you get close and go, oh, there's the shot, and you shoot up on it, and everybody's got that exact same shot, and we always ask ourselves, how do you take an iconic subject and make it different? And you put the time in to think about that. Uh, yeah, uh, because the best shot of the Eiffel Tower is not at the Eiffel Tower. There, there are many other places all over town. Uh, and uh, it turns out that the Arc de Triomphe, for me, was the best place by just climbing to the top of it and looking across the way at the Eiffel Tower. It's a big walk, though. I mean, it was 18 stories, or, or at least it seemed like. Uh, okay. But it was definitely worth it. Two things I didn't know. You can climb to the top of the Arc de Triomphe? 
uh, you could pay and then climb to the top. Yes. Inter and and the shot I'm going to show later, the black and white one of the Eiffel Tower, that's where that was from? Yeah. Oh, my God, man. That right there, I got to go back now. Okay. So I've known you for a long time. The, 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 when I first met you, it's because I was driving down to the beach to meet Frederick Van Johnson for the first time actually meeting Frederick. And he was on a show you used to do for USA Today called the Talking Tech Podcast. And yes. you were in... I'm trying to remember whose studios Venice. it was. was it? Venice. Tune in. Venice. Tune in studios. That's right. And it was Frederick and Mark Gurman, the legendary Apple journalist, because your background is journalism. You were one of the tech journalists for USA Today for how long? Um, multiple decades. Multiple decades. You have recently retired from that and moved on to what you do working now? for Working for myself. Yes, a professional photographer, journalist, uh, blogger. I do a newsletter that comes out at least once a week, if not twice. Uh, it's called the PhotoWalks TV newsletter, jeffersoncram.substack.com. Um, and uh, and then make videos every week. So I have a pretty, pretty full schedule. Well, but you left out your education stuff, which I want to get to because yeah. when when we talked the first time, so his PhotoWalks TV, we did one of your PhotoWalks episodes here in my hometown and had a blast walking around together all day and eating it at uh, Tio's Tacos. And when we did that, when I was on your show and then you were on my show with one of the shots that you took that day, you weren't a Kelby One instructor. You are now a speaker and instructor for Kelby One. Your journalism yes. background makes sense here, but you've authored nine different books. If you had to pick one thing, what would it be? You mean what I what I like to do the most? Mm -hmm. I, I like to make videos. Now that's my favorite thing in the world. So okay, um, yeah. And uh, and speaking of Kelby One, um, they just had an iPhone photography class, and I spoke at that. And then I'm doing an iPhone photography uh, advanced workshop that will be out in February. So for Kelby, we'll be filming. Yeah, for Kelby, yeah, we're filming that in January. Okay, and and Kelby One. This is not an ad. I'm not paid by Kelby. Uh, I think what Scott has built with Kelby One is the goal, and I've said this before on the show, it's the gold standard for online training. There's no question about it. But, and and by the way, his wife, Calibra, is one of the most amazing phone photographers you will ever see. And Scott was ahead of his time. Let's have a website and people will subscribe to it and we'll give him lots of stuff to look at every month at a time that people weren't doing things like that, Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, no question about it. So let's talk uh, mobile. I'm going to call it, I mean, I always use the phrase iPhoneography because most people think of using an iPhone for the camera, but there's a good number of Android users out there. I'm just going to say, we're going to talk mobile phone photography. I want to really be clear. This is not just iPhones. Whatever your phone of choice is, feel free. I don't care if you have a flip phone that's got a camera on it that shoots, you know, 240 video. Whatever your phone of choice is, let's talk about mobile photography. The post that I saw you do was about your photo walk series and the one you mentioned it earlier that you did in Paris. And your premise of the post that I saw was using an iPhone only, meaning instead of taking a real camera with you, quote unquote, real camera, only use an iPhone. And that stuck with me for a very, very specific reason I'll mention in a moment. 
And we're going to get into, so that everybody knows, we're going to get into advantages and disadvantages and composition and light and all of that type of stuff that you got to think about when you're using a phone. I even have some of your photos, by the way, that I'm going to drop in later. But here's my big question to you. You went to Paris for your show and you used nothing but, in your case, multiple phones for your photography, for filming yourself, et cetera. What made you think of only using a phone? Because you own a ton of great camera gear. Well, first of all, I we'll, we'll take you back to Kelby. This is, we'll go all the way all the way around. I was doing an episode. I was doing a class for him on photography in San Francisco, and I had my big Sony on a tripod with a seventy-two hundred millimeter lens and my nice microphones. And I was talking to the camera, and I was too far away from it. Um, and I think the sign on the lens was "Steal me, steal me, steal me." So. Somebody came up uh, and, and grabbed my camera and tripod and mics and put them in their getaway car within about two seconds. It all happened really fast. And when that happened, which was a year and a half ago, I said, I am not uh, bringing my Sony gear out in public again unless I'm in a hotel or some, some I'm doing an event, a paid event. Uh, but when I'm filming photo walks, I am filming every episode on my iPhones, mobile cameras, GoPro. I use the Insta360 um, series as well. And I'm only going to use mobile cameras. I'm going to use the same cameras that everybody else who's watching, or at least most people who are watching, have at their disposal. So it's not like I've got this gear that they have to spend thousands of dollars to get in order to achieve the same result. I'm going to do everything on the same gear that they have. And that's my premise of the show. So yeah, when I went to Paris, I had to go shoot on the iPhone, which was okay. It was great. Um, and I'll give you the pros and cons. I also did a bunch of shots on the Insta360 Insta X3 for some really wild, crazy overhead shots. You could basically get drone-like shots on that little camera without flying a camera in the air. And I'm a, I, do, I do drone shots generally on every episode I do as well, but I didn't want to fly a drone in France and run into any trouble of crashes and, and language barriers and all that sort of stuff. Well, okay. So what you just described to me, by the way, when we did our episode here in Riverside, you flew the drone over the, the National uh, Citrus Historic Park. But what you just described to me is exactly how you approached your tech journalism too. You always thought... In everything I ever saw you write, you always approached it from the point of view of what's the average person on the street going to think of this or do with this or how are they going to struggle with this? And so I love that because here's the reason that for me, this show meant so much to me years ago. Okay. So I'm a dad and years ago when we went to Maui with my kid, Maui has this famous tree tunnel. And I wanted a shot shooting through this tree tunnel. And I had my, at the time, a 5D Mark III, I think, and a 24 to 105 lens. And the tree tunnel is fairly long. Do you know the tunnel I'm talking about? Have you seen it? No, I don't know. Okay. So it's fairly long and the road kind of arches up in the middle and then down at the end. So if you want to get a picture of the tree tunnel without cars, you have to wait as a car passes you for it to, it's not a hill, but it does go up reaches a peak dead center and then disappears on the other side. So what would happen is I pulled over to the side of the road. I looked at my wife and kid and said, hold on, I'll be right back. I go out to the middle of the road, waiting for the car to go. Cars come up behind me. I move aside. I let them go. I go back to the middle of the road, wait for the, they're just about cars come up behind me. I move aside. 
Finally, I said to myself, screw it. I'm going to kneel in the middle of the street and I'm going to make the car stop and wait for a car to crest that hill, take two shots and bail. Fast forward years later, we're going to Italy. I've got an iPhone 6 and I didn't want to be that dad. I didn't want to be the guy who prioritized taking the photos, which I think a DSLR for a lot of people makes them think they have to take the time to take crazy, ridiculous time photos. I have since done that in Italy, in France, in London, uh, not with an iPhone 6, but with newer phones as they came out. And you know what? I was totally happy with it. Are there moments where I thought to myself, I kind of wish that I had my real camera here for whatever reason? Yeah. But generally, the phone worked pretty good, right? I mean, do you kind of feel the same when you use it that most of the time, I would say 80, 90% of the time you're good with it and you miss the real gear, quote unquote, 10%, 20%? 80% of the time, you're going to get great shots on the phone. If, if you're shooting in normal, regular light, you're going to get great shots. Uh, it's when you dive into really low light that it's you might have a problem. There are things that I missed. I missed having a camera to my eye and being able to really see better than looking at the back of a screen in bright light. That right. th I missed that. And I missed um, street photography zooming in from three blocks away on some unsuspecting person walking down the street. Though, those are the two things. Now, I don't shoot sports. Had I been shooting sports, I would be wanting to have a camera, uh, uh, my, my Sony, instead of the iPhone, because I think sports really demands that. And sometimes, uh, and I'll give you one other uh, negative, is sometimes the sunsets or the, the sun going a certain way, you will get flare on your phone that you won't get on a camera with your lens shade. Right, right. And this, yeah, this and is something, yeah. The famous blue dot on an iPhone. Green, green, green for dot. me, okay. but yeah, the green dot. And I would love to figure out a way around that. And I have a call into Apple to ask them about it, see if they've got any solutions. But I think a cage, I think, I think some lens shading, I think some of that would really help. Uh, but those are the two things. But as far as street photography goes, you know, my story is that in the 1940s and 1930s, there was this new camera called Leica. And the all the photographers that used to go around town with a four by five, what was it called? Uh, the four by five camera, one one frame, and, and that was it, right? And then they, they got these 24, 36 exposure rolls of 35 millimeter, and they started roaming the streets of Paris, taking amazing candids and wonderfully composed stuff on their Leica with a 50 millimeter lens. So here I am in Paris with an iPhone with three lenses. And I've got a 13 millimeter ultra wide. I've got a 24 millimeter wide and I've got a 77 millimeter telephoto on the iPhone 14 or and it's the same setup as the 12 and uh, yeah, the 12. Um, yeah, slightly was, different, so, slightly yeah, different think, aperture yeah, settings depending on the yeah. phone you're on or Zoom I, settings. But but you got three if you're on a pro. Yeah, okay, the twelve was was um, was sixty five millimeter, and then the thirteen was seventy seven, and the fourteen is seventy seven. So, I mean, and, and let, let let's look at the quality. 
uh, I'm shooting uh, even you know, a small little sensor and everything, but you know that my quality on the iPhone is going to be gobs better than the Leica photographers of the 1930s. It's just it just is. I mean, I, I was shooting Tri-X at 1200, 1200 ASA as a kid on my Pentax. And if you look at it now, it's just all, all dots. I mean, it's, it's un- unviewable. And what I get today is so sharp and clear and, and the colors are great. So I, I did really well. And th- that's talking photos, video, 4K, fantastic. I, I would hold my, my 4K video on the, Sony, uh, on the iPhone up to what I'm getting on the Sony. I think it looks practically, practically the same. It, it, is, it is shocking to me. Part of it is, you know, all the magic that's happening in between. You're you're not when you take a photo, for example, on an iPhone, it's not one photo, it's multiple 15. photos. It's 15. Yeah. And they're sandwiching them together to make the the you know the magic. And all phone manufacturers are doing this. Uh there are a lot of advantages to me. Let's talk advantages first to using a phone. If you were to list five or so advantages, what are the best advantages to only having a phone? Well, if you're talking travel photography, I, I get up every morning and I'm out the door at 6 a.m. with two phones in two pockets and a selfie stick. And then I have microphones in my pocket. That's it. Period. And, as a, and, I, and, and I don't get back to the room until 9 p.m. So, um, yeah, oh, yeah, there's also the power brick because we're going to have some power issues. But that's let, pretty let me, much it. Let me yeah, interrupt you for a second because somebody's going to ask this in the comments. You said two phones. Why two? Because I have them. I don't believe in throwing them away because I will all, okay, for, uh, multiple issues. Okay, uh, multiple uh, multiple good stuff, multiple good things. First of all, I'm shooting on the 14 and it's dead by, by 11 or 12. Well, just switch to the 13. Or I'm shooting a time lapse on the 13 and I'm shooting stills on the 14 at the same time. Because when you shoot a time lapse, you put it on the tripod, you press record, and you sit there for half an hour. And, you know, that's it. You can't do anything else with it. So, so I had multiple opportunities. Uh, those are two of the things. And uh, because I own them, why not? Okay, so let's go back to the advantages. Go ahead and finish your list. I apologize. I, I leave the ho- I leave the hotel at six a.m. I come back at nine o'clock, and I don't have a big camera around my neck all day, it could, which could hurt. And I don't have to worry about theft. I do not have to worry about theft. Th- there's that advantage. Um, everything. I don't have to worry about a card, a memory card going bad or getting stolen. Uh, or being misplaced. I've got everything on the phone and I'm doing automatic backup all day. Uh, you know, I, I use SmugMug for the automatic backup, but you could use Google, you could use Amazon. You're backing up everything as you're shooting. So that's really good. I can shoot time-lapse. Uh, I can shoot slow motion, uh, which you can't do on all the mirrorless and DSLRs. You can in a way, but it's a whole lot easier. Uh, you know, time-lapse on an iPhone is click a button. Time-lapse on the bigger cameras is shoot 3,000 pictures and then throw them into an editing program. Uh, so it's a lot easier. I can, um, I have a camera that will not make anybody nervous. I can walk into any store. I can walk up to anybody and they don't say, oh, and I'd like to interview people when I go to other places and get their points of view. And, and, and in the case of Paris, get their accents. I love to hear them talk. And I can pull my little microphones out of my pocket and I could have the iPhone there. 
and they do not get nervous. But if there's a big black camera in front of them, they will say, oh, I don't know. I don't look so good. And let me, let's do it some other time. So it's so non-threatening. It's really the perfect travel camera. And, and what's interesting too, is even when we did the photo walks TV here at that time, you were using wireless go microphones and pumping them right into your iPhone with a Y adapter. There's so much you can do, but you, you mentioned a number of them that I completely agree with. It is way lighter, way easier on your shoulder and neck. It's less obvious. You got two or three lenses, depending on the phone that you're using today, faster to get ready, faster turnaround. And the last one you mentioned where changing to a time-lapse on a, a real camera, quote unquote, as opposed to a, a phone is you're already in the camera app. You slide the dial and you're on it. I mean, photo, video, time-lapse, and panos. Same thing with a pano. You take five shots with your wide angle on a Sony, a Canon, or a Nikon. You then take it into the Lightroom and stitch them all together. And being able to stitch a pano in real time also allows you to do things like when we were in Maui, Maui? Uh, no, I'm sorry, Kauai. We did this thing where we went to the top of a hill on a bike tour. And the uh, guide pulled over, had us all get together. And what he wanted us to do was he was going to do a pano. And he started on one side and started panoing across. And he said, as soon as I put my hand up, I want on the end you to start running behind me, come to the other side. Well, he did a pano of us on the left in like a superhero pose. And then by the time he got over here, we were all there again in a different pose. The things That's that you the, can, that I do that trick all the time. Yeah. It's amazing. It's absolutely yeah. amazing what you can do with a phone that doing on a regular camera is difficult. You mentioned, you know, multiple cameras, but you also mentioned video. And I want to stress doing slow motion, more difficult on a, on a, you know, traditional camera than a phone. Nowadays, you get 120 frames a second slow motion at the push of a button. And on almost all the new phones, at least on, on iOS, you have cinematic mode for video or portrait mode for photography. These are amazing things, which brings us to there's downsides, right? There's obviously, right. like I said, there's times I wished that I had my Canon you mentioned, you know, zooming in on somebody from far away or low light. So let's go through those. Not enough optical zoom. Right. Although on a lot of the new cameras, like if you shoot raw, if you do a three time zoom, uh, optical zoom on a phone, that's as far as you can go. But if you shoot raw on a modern iPhone, your raw images are 48 megapixels. That does give you a lot of room to crop, but got to do it in post. Uh, Samsung Galaxy's got a 10 times zoom for the main camera, but it uses a periscope lens, which rumors are the iPhone will get at some point in time. But the one that always interests me is ISO performance, ISO performance. And you said, if you're shooting in low light, that you're going to notice that. Have you ever found a way around that? Well, night mode. Night mode is that crazy Apple automatic feature that will only kick on when it wants to. Okay? So if you're shooting at 6.30 p.m. in the winter, it may not be ready to go to night mode. It might want to go on at 7. And you can't kick it in. 
once it kicks in and you adjust and go through the adjustments, you can get a 30 second exposure in the, in the deep of the night. And it looks pretty dang good. Um, I, I did one, um, I shot the San Diego skyline. I got there at 6 a.m. and it was too bright, even though what my eyes were seeing was darkness because the iPhone just adjusted and made things look abnormal. But I dealt with that by lowering the exposure by two stops and then it came out pretty well, even in night mode. Is I, you know, I underexposed it. So, um, yeah, it, but it, some other shots are not great, but that's the beauty of, you know, I didn't have to bring a big camera with me out all day. So let me say that I saw lots of people in Paris with their big cameras. And and if I was hired to shoot a wedding or an, an engagement shoot or a portrait shoot in Paris, I would be, and I live there, I'd be running around with my big camera, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't working for the client. I can tell, I could show you the difference when I use my 7,200 millimeter lens and I'm shooting portraits on my Sony. I mean, it's magic. It looks incredible and it looks better than the iPhone. Th those are for, for, for paying clients. Now, when we don't have paying clients and we're doing it for ourselves, um, you know, comfort uh, plays a big role. And, um, you know, what can I tell Yeah, and, and, you know, the night mode, obviously, Google really kind of first came out with the night mode, and they've got that as well. You can do semi-astrophotography even with night mode if you put it on a tripod. It's interesting with Apple, you can't go past nine seconds unless you're on a tripod. And then right. once it senses that it's on a tripod based on gyroscopes, et cetera, it, it can go longer. And night mode is the fix really for high ISO images that you need. And one of the things gonna, you're going to you're going to show one of the night mode tripod shots of the Eiffel Tower, so viewers yes, yeah. will be able to see it soon. Yeah. Also, of course, one of the downsides disadvantages is if you do fill up your phone shooting 4K 60 or whatever, you can't swap out a memory card. At least on most phones, definitely not on on Apple devices. Smaller sensor sensors, you get less depth of field, but of course, you've got portrait mode, cinematic mode for that. Less manual controls on iPhone. You've got full manual controls in a Google camera app. You got to buy a third-party app on iPhone. Let, let, let's pull up some of these images and kind of talk about them a little bit. And then sure. I want you to kind of walk me through what you've done on some of these. Let, let's start with this one. This is Paris. I've been on this bridge. I recognize those lights anywhere. Kind of tell me about when, when you're shooting a shot like this or the ones that I'm going to be pulling up. If you're using the built-in camera app, at least, on, again, on iOS, not necessarily on Android, but on iOS, the camera's doing all the work. It's not a manual exposure. You can drag an exposure sun. That's about it. So for you, the main concern is lighting, composition, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Timing. My, my number one rule of photography is timing is everything. And being in the right place at the right time, uh, you know, if you just went out at the first hour of the day and the, and the last hour of the day, you'd be in great shape. You could just forget about the rest of the day because that's when everything looks their best. I just happened to be walking along the Seine River uh, with my wife and I said, wow, look at that. I mean, we were just we just happened to be there at the right time. And we took pictures on one side of the bridge and the other side of the bridge and this side the colors were better than the other side. So I I did use the masking feature in Lightroom Mobile to darken the sky a little bit. Okay. And that that's about it. 
And really? I shot in the in the native camera app. Yeah. Okay, so as you're shooting this, I like I see a couple of composition things in here that were done so well. And again, all you've got is a phone that you can pull out of a pocket for God's sake. It's amazing to me. What are you thinking composition-wise when you pull up this? I'm thinking let's get the bridge, but you know when I shoot, I will shoot half the bridge, the whole bridge, I'll shoot every angle, I'll shoot 25 different variations till I find the right one. So, I'm not really thinking composition, I'm just sort of moving moving around trying to get the best shot possible and I should let let everybody know that if I had been on the other side of the bridge looking the other way, there would have been an Eiffel Tower in the shot. I didn't know that at that time that I, when I was taking this photo. Uh, uh-huh. because my back was to the bridge. I, what did I know? And, uh, but I, I would, the colors probably wouldn't have been right at that point, but I found that I, I did another shot of the bridge at another point when I, and we had the, the, the Eiffel tower, the mid, majestic Eiffel tower in the background. So, you know, get every side, every angle of the bridge, uh, when you're there. Yeah. Which makes total sense. And the other thing that I find interesting is when you said your number one rule is timing, right? Being there at the right time of day. Getting the right light, I'm not going to say better light. You could say better light. I don't, I'm not going to say brighter light, more light, right? But getting the right light in the right, the right time light. of day also cancels out so many of those disadvantages that we talked about. What about this one, which is of the Eiffel Tower? This is the one we talked mm-hmm. about before you took from the top of the, uh, uh, yeah. uh, Arctic. Let me, let me just finish on the bridge by saying that I, I was there for about 10, 15 minutes. And what was at the beginning versus what was at the end were two different things. And as anybody knows who's ever shot a sunset, you just wait it out because the colors will get better and better and better. And that's what happened. Um, my, my, the beginning the beginning of this sequence was not as great as the ending of the sequence. Now, on the, Eiffel, on the Eiffel Tower, I brought my little tripod to the top. Uh, I, I was at, no, I'm sorry. I'm at the Arctic Triumph now. I walked up 18 flights of stairs with my tripod and two phones in my pocket. And, you know, you never know, are they going to kick you out or not? And I said, well, you know, the worst that could happen is they say, you can't use that tripod. And I say, okay. But um, there is a, um, like a fence and everybody stands against the fence. And uh, I put the tripod up against the fence and then there's barriers and I put the camera in between the barrier and I was shooting time lapses and stills and all sorts of stuff until they found me. And then when they found me, they said I had to stop, but I had already gotten this photo. This is uh, on night mode, and as anybody who's been to Paris knows, there's a light that goes around the Eiffel Tower, and then it also, the tower itself lights up every hour on the hour. So I, this is luck, this is timing, this is being on a tripod, being in night mode, being at a slow exposure, and then I converted it to black and white because why not? I just felt black and white was more uh, classic. See, and I agree. The black and white here makes the shot, but what really makes the shot to me is the angle of the spotlight, where it leaves from the tower to the right and how it disappears down a a leading line down on the left. It's just to me, yeah, just such a classic shot. You've got this one of the sand. So we're leaving Paris at this point. Okay, so now we're in... This is in Manhattan Beach, my hometown. This is where I live. And uh, some people think that I wake up every morning to go take a picture of the Manhattan Beach Pier, which is not true. I've just photographed it a lot because I take a walk every morning like many people do. And 
yeah, this is Manhattan Beach. So one morning I'm taking a walk. It had been a big blowy day the day before. And look at that sand. There's not a footprint in there. Because one of the benefits of going out early is that you get out there before there are footprints in the sand, before there's anybody out. And um, I just never seen it like that. So I, I shot a bunch of different angles. Again, I converted to black and white and uh, played with it in Lightroom and darkened the sky a little bit. And there you got it. And what's fascinating to me about this one, it, again, it's a phone. Amazing. Yeah. Is how well it handled the lighting changes. There's a little bit of banding in the sky, but if somebody was nuts about it, they could, that that's all fixable. And it's a phone. It just is shocking to yeah. me what you can do with a phone. Here's another beach one. And this beach one to me, I love this shot. The oh. colors, the rainbow, the composition in here. Where, is this also Manhattan Beach? Uh, this is Hermosa which is down the way, Hermosa Beach. I'm at this point walking along the foot of the water, the, the, right, the ocean front. And I see this rainbow and I say, geez, I got to get this. And I just start running back, 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 back until I can get it right. And I went back as far as I could. And, and one thing you, you know is that you want to have an object in the photo, which really makes it come alive. A basic picture of the water with a rainbow is not as exciting. A picture of the sand with a rainbow is not as exciting. The lifeguard tower makes it exciting. I shot, a, this is at the ultra wide. And frankly, the lifeguard tower was distorted. And I, so I went into Lightroom Mobile, and they have a, uh, a I forget what the what the uh, feature in, is in there, chromatic lens, lens like correction, that. yeah, yeah, perspective. And yeah. so I use that to make it less distorted. I probably darken the sky a little bit, but not that much, and uh, that's what you got. So you edited this on Lightroom Mobile too, on the phone? Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, look at this. The color on the right-hand side of the clouds, the fact that the rainbow goes right into the lifeguard station, Are do you find yourself, picture for yourself that you had your Sony here, right? Do you find yourself treating how you shoot and how you see composition and the running back, et cetera? Do you, do you find yourself doing that differently Well, first because of all, you've got a phone? Sony is a 24, I, my, my walk around lens is 24 to 70. I wouldn't have been able to get this with the 24 70. Okay. Unless I could have, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine that I could have. Uh, so, uh, you know, that 13 millimeter really came in handy, which is the ultra wide lens, which is the traditional lens that is not as sharp as the main lens, which is the, uh, what do they call it? The 1X? The, the, yeah, the, 1X. the normal wide lens. This is the, is the 0.5. This is the 0.5, which is not as sharp, but did a great job for me that day. Now, this next shot, this to me, street photography with a phone, granted you can't zoom in, but as close as you probably were to these two kissing on the street, correct me if I'm wrong, the phone almost made this shot possible, right? Being that it was well, only a phone. 
No, I mean, I could have done this on a camera too. I was, I, I wanted the, the, the Paris lovers, right? Paris is the city of light. It's the most romantic city in the world. I wanted the lover shot and I did look around for them. And I was just there and I saw them kissing and I said, grab the phone, put it on 77 millimeter, boom, 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 go as fast as I can before they <laughs> open their eyes and look over and say, who's that creep, right? And, uh, you know, street photography, I, I could, did I need 105 millimeter for this? Did I need 135? I don't think so. Well, and, and by the way. It's just moving, moving fast. Yeah. And you got classic Paris architecture in the shot. Yeah. So by looking at this shot, I always tell people, you know, you got to tell a story or at least you, you have to think about what story are you trying to tell. And in this particular case, you've got two lovers and clearly in European, at least city, I've been to Paris. I would probably ID this as Paris based on that architecture, but you, you fulfilled all of those, those story ideas. Here's the Arc de Triomphe that we talked about that you climbed to the top of for a shot. I, <laughs> I wish I'd known that when I was there. This is a long exposure, clearly. Yeah. Long exposure tripod shot in live mode, which is the feature of the iPhone that gives you three seconds of video with every photo. That was the gimmick when they announced it five or six years ago. And I, so it's it's the, the extra video, then it's bounce, which goes, goes one way, and then a loop, which goes round and round and round. And then there's a long exposure. And I usually use long exposure for shooting the water uh, when I do those Manhattan Beach Pier shots. And then the water gets all uh, silky and milky and, and it looks really cool. Well, you can do um, night photography as well and get the color streaks that a lot of people do when they shoot on, on their big cameras and they shoot it uh, one second or, or less than that. Uh, live exposure. There so you, go. you, okay, you're talking on some cameras, 10 megapixels on some on iPhones, 12 megapixels. You don't have a lot of crop room. So I'm assuming that you are paying attention to being vertical, being level, trying to get a composition as close as you can so that you don't have to crop a lot. Well, I was on a tripod, remember? So I, I didn't have to worry about cropping. It, and, and live live is automatic, hit and miss. You never know, but why not try it? Because if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, and I was also shooting time lapses at the same, you know, I was and shooting time lapses and shooting stills. Those effects that you mentioned for the live photos where you can do a long exposure, et cetera, those are, those are fun to play with. I love this shot. Like this to me is the quintessential black and white beach shot almost like it's from a classic movie. Like it's a frame grab from a classic movie. Where's this one at? This is in Cambria, which is on the uh, California coast, uh, sort of the central coast in between San Francisco and Los Angeles. And this is right place, right time, uh, 0.5 lens looking down and converting to black and white in Lightroom. Everything in this I love. The stairs, the fact that there are is that driftwood right at the bottom of the stairs, which adds you a mid-ground subject before you get to the water, position of the horizon line, the fact that the horizon line doesn't hit the top of the rails, so much here. This is such a classic shot. And before I, I play this last thing, when you are talking photography, right, when you're talking iPhoneography, mobile photography, whatever it is, you mentioned Lightroom Mobile. And we'll get into apps here in just a minute, but I'm just curious, 
if you were to think about what are the things you always do to a photo that you're editing that you shot on your phone? You know, for example, because of the noise issues, maybe you're always doing noise reduction or maybe you're always adjusting color. What, What do you normally do to one of these mobile shots in post? Okay, I start with the Photos app on the iPhone. They're, they, 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 their edit uh, tools are really good. And it's a Sun of Lightroom, but it's an 80% Sun of Lightroom. So it's really good. First is the auto feature. I click that and it usually enhances it in some way. I don't usually up the exposure, uh, but I could. I just generally don't. I generally go right over to black point and boost the blacks pretty much on every shot I do. And if I wanted to convert black and white in that app, you know, there's no button that says click this to go black and white. Right. There isn't. There's a saturation. And then you take the saturation down all the way and now you have a black and white shot. Uh, they, they do have the filters at the bottom. You can go into the filter section. You and can. choose them, but they're they're ret- like they have one called Noir that's really over the top. I do, by the way, the same thing as you. I take my iPhone shots first thing in the Apple Photos app. I hit auto, the little magic wand, as it were. The only thing I tend to do differently is I think that they overdo the brilliance dial, and I'll usually pull that down about half of what they chose. Okay. So I'll what try else that on the next photo. That's it. That's it. And then I save it. And if I want to go more, if I feel if the sky needs work, I will go to Lightroom because there's a masking feature where you do select sky and it's really easy. And uh, what else do I like in Lightroom? Um, Dehaze. Dehaze is amazing. Uh, if I if it we're segueing to apps, Dehaze is your best friend. Uh, Dehaze will do an amazing job with clouds and darkening the sky without uh, without doing the whole image. Um, there are many times when I shoot at the beach it, that the clouds are faint and then you just click this little dehaze slider and all of a sudden they're not. I do the same thing with live music photography. When there is a hazer, or most people think of as as smoke machine, fog machine, when there's a hazer on stage, sometimes I think to myself, the guy that's running the button for the hazer fell asleep and landed on it. Like it's just constantly out it's amazing what you can do with dehaze. You got to be careful because if it is a contrast tool, it can kind of crunch up the blacks a little bit, but then you add a little bit of shadow fill or something like that. But absolutely amazing. Uh, yeah, before the trick we get is in, not going to is is not going too far. Yes. Like yeah, don't don't go all the way. So like that right down the middle. Yeah, exactly. And and it's like anything. It's like the clarity slider, right? It's everything in moderation, as it were. It's like it's like what you eat. Before we get into apps. You sent me today something that I want to show because we're talking mostly photography here, but it is shocking what you can do on a phone for video. So set this up before I start it. Last night in Manhattan Beach, California, we have our fire. We had our fireworks show in December. It's a tradition in Manhattan Beach. They don't do July 4th, but they do do the first or second, the second week of December for the holiday fireworks show. And as a good citizen and a good photographer who likes to feed his social media, I went to shoot the fireworks. And first I pulled out the Sony and I said, I don't feel like walking down there with it. I'm going to shoot all mobile tonight. And I actually took the Insta360 because um, that's what I was going to use. And I did, but it doesn't do well in low light. And so I just switched over to the iPhone. This is all handheld on cell phone camera. 
And I, it is shocking to me. Yeah. I just played it for those of you on the audio feed. I'm going to play it again though. And by the way, I will put this video up on the blog post at behind the shot.tv. You can see it there, but I'm going to play this thing again because to me, this is extreme dynamic range test, right? You have exploding fireworks against a dark black sky with smoke and everything. And, and I can see the beach. I can see the pier. It didn't you see the blow smoke? out. It, it's wow. Yeah. And this is all handheld on the iPhone 14 Pro Max. Well, and that's the other thing we didn't mention. Stabilization on mobile phones has gotten insanely good. Yeah. And, and, uh, just and so in you fact, know, the iPhone has yeah. the new action mode even. Uh, that That's a gimmick that does not work. Okay. Um, action mode, just so you know, is they claim that uh, you, you'll have these super steady shots, and they'll. But it, but then the fine print is only if you're running. You have to run to get a super steady shot, and I've tested it, and it's a okay steady shot when I run. When I, when I try walking, it's eh. That was a, um, a truth in advertising. Um, uh, uh, did not work very well. So stabilization, a lot of people use gimbals. I have never had a good result with one. And it's another thing you have to bring with you. Another thing to have in your pocket. I'm a selfie stick guy. I believe in the selfie stick and I've got the world's greatest selfie stick. My $25 Insta360 selfie stick that I put an iPhone on top of and I can get Really nice, steady shots. Um, one of the tricks is doing a lot of panning as opposed to walking where your body goes up and down. And anybody who's seen the show, you can tell me um, how steady does the shots look because I, I think they look pretty steady. And See, it's interesting because I've tested the built-in OIS, optical image stabilization, on, on, my, on every phone that I've had. But let's talk iPhone 14 Pro Max that I have now. I've been very impressed with it. And I tried the action mode specifically running, didn't use it when I wasn't running. And it's a subtle difference to me from the OIS, the built-in OIS for normal stuff. But I noticed it. Um, it was pretty, pretty cool to me. Let, let's talk apps. You mentioned Lightroom, which I did not have in my list, strangely enough. What other, what other mobile apps could you not live without? Okay, well, Lightroom Mobile is my favorite. And then the other one is Snapseed. Snapseed yeah. was invented by the folks at Nick Software, which then got bought by Google. And Google got rid of all the Nick programs except for Snapseed. Snapseed is still great. I use it when I want to go nuts. Uh, when I, I use Adobe for normal photography, but when I want to go a little crazy, Snapseed. When I want to make the clouds look even darker than they are, like way darker. I'm not talking, I'm talking about Stranger Things dark clouds. Okay. And uh, all you have to do in the is upside can, down. That's right. All you, it can all happen in five seconds. You click the HDR mode and you hit the drama mode. And then you play with your finger and adjust. And it looks wild. App is free. They will never ask you for any money. So anybody who doesn't have Snapseed should definitely download it. There are other photographers who do normal stuff in Snapseed. I've never been, never mastered that. I just go wild in it. Um, those are the three apps. I use the regular, the, the, the Photos app and Snapseed and Adobe Lightroom Mobile. And when I, when I can't do what I want to do on, on the phone, then it, it, well, and everything goes in my computer anyway. And that's where I do my curation. 
uh, and not knock the photos down. I find it way easier in Lightroom on the computer to make my pics. And so that you know, I'm the same. I use Snapseed. If I'm on a job and they need pictures right then for social media, I will Wi-Fi it from my DSLR or my mirrorless in this case to my phone. I'll edit it in Snapseed. I'll airdrop it to them and I'm done and ready to go. Other apps that I love, PhotoPills is a great app to have. I love Hipstamatic. I use Hipstamatic probably more when I'm traveling than a normal camera. Uh, I use an app called Watermark Plus, which lets me, if I choose to, watermark an image before putting it up on social media. And the other app that I don't use often, but my gosh, it has been fantastic when I needed it, is an app called View Exif, which lets me see all of the Exif data that's in an image as opposed to just what the iPhone Photos app uh exposes to me. Also, of okay. course, there's photo summary, which I know a lot of people, Rick Salmon uses it, people like that to show what the exposure is and post that on Instagram and stuff. But okay. Photo pills. I'm not smart enough. I've not been able to figure it out. Um, one day, one day, Steve, you will show me how to make it work. Though I know a lot of people really sing its praises. And I, you know, I use the Smug Mug app every day as well. I didn't mention right. that. So the Smug Mug app for auto backup of all my photos. And then I can water, you know, Again, I, I have the watermark built in right there. So anytime I share on social media, I got the watermark through the Smug Mug app. Perfect. So let's close out with a speed round. Okay. Your, your top travel photography tip. Oh, timing. I mean, it's all about timing. So my, my number one tip is timing. Be, be there before everybody else, uh, particularly in the morning. You get great stuff in the morning that I've, I've, I've had such great luck you know, as as in that sand shot, because every morning in Manhattan Beach, the trucks come out and they 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 sweep the sand and they do all this stuff. Well, I was before the trucks, so that was good. And then then when I did the skyline in San Diego at five thirty in the morning a few weeks ago, I was before everybody. I had everything. You know, it's just the colors are great. Um, when so you, you you mentioned Kauai, so I was doing sunrises in Kauai, and you got the sunrise, which is nice, but you got the pre sunrise show, which is about fifteen minutes before. When you get colors, you will never ever see at other times of the day. And uh, so timing, timing, timing. That's my number one tip. Biggest photo mistake you ever made? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> it's not mobile photography uh, related, but I met a family to photograph them at the beach. They came in from Texas and I met them there and I, I opened up the camera and I clicked the shutter and there was no memory card in it. So I had to run home and get a card and say, I'll be right back. That was probably the biggest mistake or showing up to a job with a camera without a battery. One of those two, which one do you want to pick? They're those two, stupid. so that you know, those are the most common answers to that question. Your and, oh, favorite? And, then, and, then, and the other thing is showing up on a shoot with an iPhone that, that has 20% charge. So you got that too. Favorite composition rule if you have one. Uh, is to try everything. My, that, my favorite composition rule is I shoot everything. I shoot I shoot ultra wide, wide, and telephoto. I shoot from the left, I shoot from the right. I shoot from the top, I shoot from the bottom. I do it all because I can. And uh, one of those is going to be great. Try it all because what do you have to lose? Favorite source of inspiration? Oh, I ha there's this podcast called Behind the Shot. That's what I like. <laughs> Um, oh, there I is. A, uh, no, I'll give it. Uh, my favorite source of inspiration is a, the the greatest photographer on social media is a man named Russell Brown from Adobe. Uh, you know, we've talked about my iPhone shots, and I think they're pretty good. His are amazing. 
Every shot he posts is amazing. Look him up. I think uh, Russell Brown is a Prescott. He's got three names. Um, but Russell Brown from Adobe will show you what is possible and then some every day. So he's the biggest, he's the biggest source of inspiration for me. Favorite band or performer? Favorite band or performer would be the Pat Metheny group. Oh, good pick. Yeah, Pat Metheny, when he was playing with Lyle Mays, the great composer, pianist, um, First Circle, uh, Secret Story, all those albums uh, would would have lived on for years and my all-time favorite. Great test albums, by the way, if you ever want to test an audio setup. They're fantastic, fantastic recordings. Your favorite drink? I'm not uh, my my favorite drink. I'm sorry, is Diet Coke or grape juice. So I'm not I'm not an alcohol person. Diet Coke, yeah. Uh, and last but not, I mean, people that watch this regularly or follow me online at at, at Steve Brazel know that I collect whiskeys, but I'm a Diet Coke fiend. You mentioned Russell Brown. It can be that pick if you want. But is there any photographer that you think more people need to know about and should follow? Oh, okay. Um, uh, Christopher Michael, uh, and that's M-I-C-H-E-L. He's another amazing guy. Uh, again, on social media that if you're not hip to him, you should be because he puts up stunning f- photos every day. And he tra- okay. he's another world traveler that uh, one day he's taking pictures of penguins in Antarctica, and the next day he's somewhere in San Francisco and he's all over the place. I will make sure to have links to Russell Brown and Christopher Michael in the blog post. Again, it's at behindtheshot.tv. The links are all on YouTube as well. So you can find them down there, but it's not the full blog post. You got to go to the blog for that. Uh, Jefferson, if people want to find you, where can they? It's obviously jeffersongram.net, not .com, jeffersongram.net. But what about the newsletter and stuff like that? Okay. Well, first of all, I have a .com as well. So have fun either either oh, place. cool. Okay. Um, so, uh, jeffersongram.net. Please do me a favor. Let's at least get 10 listeners today to subscribe to my newsletter. I will give you a shout out. jeffersongram.substack.com comes out every Saturday and often on Sunday as well. And it won't cost you a dime. Please do me a favor and check out the Photo Walks TV series on YouTube, youtube.com slash TV. I have a photowalkstv.com website, and I think that's enough homework for everybody, right? Okay. Let me just say, if you want to follow Jefferson on Twitter, on Instagram, those are both at Jefferson Graham. Facebook is at Jefferson.gram. And are you still doing the iPhone photo show? Yes. You, were, I have you were doing it with Scott Bourne, but you're doing it on right. your own now, right? Yes, a, a, a podcast, iPhone Photo Show, is out every Friday where I talk to photographers about their amazing iPhone work. Uh, Steve Brazel was one of my guests. And um, that uh, we also have a website called the iPhonePhotoTeam.com, not to confuse you, but uh, do check out the podcast as well. Yeah. And again, all the links are in the show notes behind the shot.tv. Uh, Jefferson, thank you so very much for doing this, my friend. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. It is always good to see you. This show is available wherever you get your podcasts in audio or video format. Of course, the video is also up on YouTube. Wherever you are, please do subscribe. YouTube, just head down, smash the bell, hit the subscribe button, do all of that type stuff. Uh, I do appreciate very much, by the way, those of you that have been leaving really, really kind reviews in Apple Podcasts all around the world, I do see them on YouTube as well. Wherever you get this show, again, you there's two feeds, audio only, or video, wherever you get the show, 
If you would drop us a star rating, a written review, it is extremely appreciated. And at BehindTheShot.tv, you can find links to all the different places that you can actually subscribe to the show. So again, to thank you to everybody. Thank you to Jefferson Graham. Please make sure to join us next time each and every show as we try and get inside the mind of a great photographer by taking a closer look behind the shot. Thank you.